I think, I think it's amazing how one of the, one of the few reasons um, I can leave my house this evening to come here is, one of the reasons I can leave my house is to come here to church um, and to worship together. What a blessing to be able to meet together um, and to see all of your faces. Um, I'm going to start by praying. Heavenly Father, we, we come to you this evening desiring to know you more, asking that you would be glorified amongst us. Would you build up your church here this evening? Oh yeah, Jesus, would you get all the glory? We, we lean on you in our weakness. We, we know you are strong. In your name we pray. Amen. We're talking about prayer um, this month. Um, and, and, and prayer is, is, is core to the Christian life. Um, the Father, when we become a Christian, the Father gives us faith. And shortly after that, is, well, at the same time, it's followed with the gift of, of prayer when we say for the first time, Abba, Father, by his Spirit. Prayer is this wonderful gift that he gives us. But it's also hard. I, like, I don't think I know anyone, I certainly wouldn't say this myself, that I just have it prayer sorted. So what we're going to do uh, this evening is we're going to read God's word in Genesis. Um, we're going to draw out a bit of what's going on there um, to encourage us uh, in prayer this month, and then we're going to pray at the end. So if you want to turn to Genesis chapter 32, um, verses 22 onwards. Before I read the passage, let's get a, uh, a bit into who Jacob is and what he's been up to. Jacob, he's a, a bit of a, a trickster, a bit of a deceiver, a con man. So take, for instance, one time when he's, when he's a bit younger, he, um, he, he wants to impersonate his brother so he can steal something from him. And he, um, he realizes that he needs a bit of a disguise to do this, so he, he, he takes some dead animals, takes their skin, and he puts the skin on him so he can look a bit hairier like his brother. He um, is, a, is a, bit of a bit of a trickster. Um, even his, his name carries a bit of this meaning of deceiver. So one time, his, his brother Esau, um, who has been on the, on the wrong end of, of, of one or two uh, kind of bits of Jacob's antics, one time Esau says, is he not rightly called Jacob, for he has cheated me these two times? But you could translate that quite literally as, is he not rightly called Jacob, for he has Jacobed me these two times? So Jacob um, had to run away from home, um, fearing threats on his life. And at this point in the story, he's coming back home to the, the land of his, um, his father, the land of his family, and he hears that his brother Esau is coming to meet him with 400 men, which is a bit like being on a trip away and hearing that the British army is going to meet you at the terminal. It really doesn't bode well. So, so Jacob is full of um, anxiety, uh, of fear and concern. And uh, that's where we meet him in this passage today. So I'm just going to read it now. The same night he arose and took his two wives, this is Jacob, his two female servants and his 11 children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket. And Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. He said, let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, 
I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, you shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. Picture it. He's alone in the dark. It's, it's pitch black. It's quiet, just Jacob and his thoughts. And then this man comes to attack him seemingly out of nowhere. Perhaps he thinks it's Esau comes to kill him under the cover of darkness. But as we see here in this passage, and as the wider scripture affirms, this isn't Esau or any normal man. No, this is, this is God come to fight with Jacob in the desert night. And it's quite the fight. They, they fight for um, probably hours until, um, until dawn. I don't know when the last time you, um, you fought anyone was. Um, for me, it was probably as a, as a kid with two brothers and unhealthy affection for the PlayStation 1 fighting game Tekken. Um, and I, I can remember from that that it really is tiring and exhausting after a few minutes. But they, they wrestle all night. Um, and the passage says that neither one of them can prevail. Neither one of them can win in this fight. Which I think naturally asks the question, why? Like, if, if this is God who, with one word, can separate the land and the water, why can't he just knock Jacob flat on his back straight away? Why does it say neither one could prevail? And I think in the, in the answer to this question, we, we, we start to see of how God deals with his people in history. The only, the only way that Jacob can um, put up any fight against uh, God is that, that, that God gives him the strength to fight against him. That God comes down to Jacob's level and he empowers Jacob he invites Jacob into this, into this um, engagement, into this, into this fight. He wants to meet with Jacob, so he, he gives him the strength to fight with him. And as we're, as we're thinking about prayer, the place we, we have to start is that prayer should be impossible. We, 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 we should not be heard, let alone listened to, but God in his grace enables us to be heard. He, he empowers our prayer. Um, in, in talking about prayer in Romans 8, it says that the Holy Spirit strengthens us in our weakness. So when you're um, sat on your bed in the dark in the morning, kind of a bit groggy and, and, and kind of forcing out some words, and it feels really, maybe it feels pointless. Know that the Lord God is at work intimately in that moment. When you have that, that fleeting desire to pray, it is the, the Holy Spirit working in you. God is intimately at work in your prayer life. You are not left, we are not left alone um, when we pray to do it. No, he, he, he gives us the desire and he gives us the strength to pray. He empowers our prayer what, what an invitation um, into, into a life of prayer. Um, coming back to the passage, um, the fight carries on, and it gets to the end of the fight. 
and then God touches the inside of, of, of Jacob's leg, and he dislocates his, his hip. Um, he, he gives him a limp for the rest of his life. Um, and Jacob holds on. He holds on because, which is a really dangerous move, because this, this person he's fighting with has just um, given him a limp with one touch. But he holds on because he knows that what's in his hands is what he's been looking for all his life. And he, he holds on for um, this blessing from God. And, and, and he seeks this. And, and, and Jacob is blessed. He, he is blessed and he limps away. But this encounter he's had with God changes everything for him. He, he's, he's weakened um, in his body, but he's, he's strengthened in his faith. And he can know now, with the situation and the tension with his brother Esau, that God is, is going ahead of him. He's, he's, he's had this encounter with God, he's held on to God, and this has changed everything. Um, the, the meeting with Esau um, goes completely differently to how um, anyone would have expected. Um, it's actually a bit of the inspiration for the parable of the prodigal son um, that Jesus tells in the New Testament. So Jacob uh, returns home the younger brother, but he's, he's changed now. He, he gets away with his, um, his, his kind of deceit and his schemes, and his, his brother comes to him, and he runs to him, and he kisses him. Jacob holds on to God, and, and it changes everything. This is something of what the author is, is, is telling us in, in writing this passage, and it's how this passage has encouraged the people of God throughout history. So, um, so some of the first people to, to get this passage um, were the Israelites with Moses in the desert. Okay. Like Jacob, they were about to cross over a river into the promised land. And like Jacob, they were full of tension and fear at this enemy on the other side. And so they see here, in God's words, Jacob, Israel, holding on to God, seeking him, and, and, then, and then God um, going ahead of him and the situation uh, resolving because of what God's done. And, so, and, that, and that's what it says to us as well. The, the, the um, enemies we have in our lives are not of, of flesh and blood, um, but we face very real opposition, and there will be uh, trials and um, temptations this year. There, there are things coming up in our life that we can look towards with fear, and the, and the encouragement from God is to, is to go to him first, to, to run to him before we run at the things in our lives that we're concerned by. And, and this, is, this is true for, for every aspect um, of our lives, to this, this uh, encouragement to hold on to God first. And it's not just for the, the circumstances that we face. Um, I don't know if you ever noticed, but the, the vast majority of um, encouragement or, or, or prayers in, in the New Testament are not about our um, circumstances, but they're about our, our character and our, and our relationship with Jesus. So we often say in our home group, you don't need to force a prayer request if actually we could just pray that you would know the love of Jesus more. Um, like I would really like help in my work, sure, but I know that if I were to hate my sin more and love his church more, that would have a much more dramatic effect on the next 10 years of my life. 
than an easier day at work. Um, like I, I, I've seen some some fun um, fun um, kind of answers to prayer. Maybe the favourite uh, one, or the one that comes to mind quite quickly for me is um, a, couple, a number of years ago. I was um, living in Hong Kong, working in a drug rehab facility, and we were praying for provision, and we were praying for food. And, and someone was like, let's, "Let's pray for some noodles." Um, and under a week later we had the delivery of 60,000 packets of instant noodles. Um, I think it was something to do with a big noodle company buying a little noodle company and not wanting to sell the old produce. I, I, I don't really remember. But it, it, was, it was insane. I looked at the photograph in preparing this of, of boxes upon boxes upon boxes of noodles. It was, it was great fun. But, but I, I, I treasure slightly more those times where God has, where I prayed and God has taken, say, my, um, my anger and pride and replaced it with love and humility. Like I, I, that is much more value. So we, we are to bring our whole lives before him in prayer and honesty. Before, before we... There's, like, there's, no, there's no point in me trying to address, say, pride in my own strength. I need him. In the same way with situations in my work, We're called to this dependence on God in prayer. But this, this dependence isn't, isn't exactly natural for us. Um, it wasn't for Jacob. He was Mr. Self-Reliance. He's always coming up with his own schemes and his own plans to get what he wants. Um, and, and in a way, we're quite like Jacob in this. If you had, um, I, I mean, I don't, if you had a, a two-year-old and they came to you and said, Mummy or Daddy, it's, 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 been, it's been a great run. It's been a, been a fantastic two years. Um, loved every moment. But you know what? I just think I need some space to discover who I am, and I just think I'm fine now. I'm going to go my own way. Like, what would you say to that? Like, where would you start? Like, um, how are you going to make those fish fingers? How are you going to make the council tax? Like, the list is endless. Um, but we kind of think that we're, we're, we're different than that, that we are not utterly dependent on the God who made us. We, we get into this idea that um, we think, oh, I've got to, I've got a, um, I've got a like, homeschool kids and um, cook, cook some dinner and kind of I, I'd made that resolution to, um, to go for a run. I'm sure there's many things that we have going on and that actually will be more effective, will be more efficient as if we just got on and did that stuff ourselves. We have this idea of, of prayer, so we just don't really have the time to do it. This, this kind of this lie has, has, has creeps in of, of, um, of our own power and our own self-dependence. Self-reliance is, is, is like a, it's like a snake. It, it tightens and constricts around our prayer lives, starving them of oxygen. Here, God takes Jacob's self-reliance and he cuts the head off it. He, he utterly weakens him. What is Jacob with a limp for the rest of his life going to do against Esau and his army? Often the, the, the names of places in the Bible carry a lot of significance as we try to get the meaning 
And the place here is the jabok, which, which means emptying. Jacob is emptied at the jabok in this fight. Hosea 12 talks of this passage and says how Jacob wept and begged as he held on to God. Jacob is, is, is emptied and utterly weakened. I don't know about you, maybe you feel weakened by this past year. Stuff going on in your life, um, the effects of the last 12 months, maybe you feel kind of empty and weak. Well, there's actually a, um, a great opportunity there. One of the, one of the main ways... Um, Get this precisely. Um, God deals with our self-reliance it, it is through this. Um, Paul writes at one point, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. When I look back on some of the times in my life where God has really um, grown me in, in, in prayer and in helping me to pray. Um, I think of the first time that I started praying regularly, um, and, and, and it was in some um, God emptying me and making me more dependent on him. So that, that first time, I was, I was 15, and now it looks kind of funny, but back then it was everything. I, um, I was 15, and a relationship had just ended uh, with this girl, and I was, um, it, was, it was all I'd ever known in, in my experience. It was, um, I was moping around and, um, and sad, and, and, and the day after that happened, um, I got given this paper round, and so I found myself cycling um, for 45 minutes every morning. Um, I wasn't allowed to listen to music, when I was cycling. So I just found myself praying every morning, and it felt like I was saying the same stuff every single day. And, it, and for a long time, it felt, it felt so like arbitrary and, and kind of pointless. But I mean, I, I can look back on it now and, and see the stuff that, that, that changed as a result of that, um, the stuff that changed in me. Um, but God really used that, though it was a, it was a hard start to to, to kickstart this, this life of prayer. Um, in the kingdom of God, we, we limp, we don't run. Let's leverage the, um, the, the, the emptiness and, and the um, knowing the end of ourselves that we maybe experience at the moment to turn it into prayer. We're gonna we're gonna um, I'm gonna close in a minute, but um, there's, there's kind of one more point that I want to um, draw out of this passage as we think about prayer, um, and that is that we're quite unlike Jacob, in a sense. We we do not wrestle um, in prayer with God to to gain any status with Him, to to earn any reconciliation to be able to come before him, or even really to earn his blessing. And, and, it, and it's, it's important that we, that we get this, because we can make prayer what I call a, a justification exercise. We can, we can use our prayer to try and make ourselves right before him. 
And this, and this puts such a weight on our prayer life that our prayer life is not designed to carry. And, and we just won't end up praying. We, we will just not want to pray. There will be, there'll be feelings of, of, of guilt and shame if we try and use our prayer life to, to make ourselves right before him. Because this passage is also about Jesus. Jacob is a type of Jesus here, and Jesus has made the face of God something good to us, something friendly. Jesus, another night, uh, alone in the garden, wrestled in prayer. And he then took not one touch of God, but he took the full uh, wrath and judgment of God upon himself. Jacob, for the rest of his life, would know this limp, reminding him of his dependence on God. Jesus forever has the wounds of, of, of the cross on his body, which are an ever reminder before the Father that our sin has been dealt with. We're not going to add anything to the cross. Don't, don't find yourself. Yes, there's a, there's, a, there's a place for repentance and prayer, of course there is. But the, the prayer Jesus taught us doesn't begin, forgive me in my sin. It begins, Heavenly Father. We, we, we come into prayer off the back of what Jesus has done. We, the, we get the blessing in him. Ephesians 1, does it say we have a, a part blessing in the heavenly places because we're in Christ Jesus? No, it says we have every blessing in the heavenly places because we're in him. So when we, when we come to God in prayer, it isn't trying to take something that he is reluctant to give. And it isn't us trying to, in our own power, in our, in our own conjuring up of emotions, make a place before him. No, we, we come to him asking for what he has already delighted to give us in his son. Calvin talks about how when we come in prayer, we, we, we come and call upon the many riches of treasure that God has stored up in heaven for us. When we come in prayer, we come to the Father carried in by what Jesus has done. And we, we come in prayer by the power of the Spirit, enabled to pray. So let, let's not... Um, indulge our, our, our self-dependence, but run to him with everything in prayer. Let's, let's leverage every ounce of weakness that we might feel at the moment and turn it into coming to God. I wonder if there's some uh, routine change um, as, we, as we're thinking about how can we get prayer into, into our lives. I mean, m mornings are great, um, but I, I to be honest, I've never really found mornings work that well for me. In my mind, lunchtime is where it's at. Um, let, let's not let um, practical stuff stand in the way as we want to grow in prayer together as a church. Guys. Okay.